and good coffee, everybody. Hey, it's time for some morning coffee with Larry, and I'm glad that you are here to join with me today for a, <clears throat> a nice hot, hold on, <clears throat> let me take that sip. Okay, that helps. That nice cup of coffee that is medicinal to the throat. <clears throat> and, uh, uh, but anyway, lost my train of thought. Glad that you're here to join with me today. I apologize for not having a podcast yesterday, uh, but I have made it here today, and it is the 5th of November. And uh, I'm going to start off with uh, a shout out to my daughter, Jess, who is celebrating her 22nd birthday today. And uh, uh, very happy for her reaching. Uh, I always think of 22 as a milestone when anybody hits it. And I guess, I, you know, I never really think too much about it, but my birthday's on the 22nd. So I guess, uh, uh, you know, that sticks out as a special day. That was my golden birthday. And I hope, I hope her birthday is, is golden as well. Uh, I, I'm a, when, when you, um, Life happens, doesn't it? And um, I'm not going to go into the personal details, but life kind of happened this week. And it just made me very glad that we're doing this devotional study together. Because, um, I mean, for some of you out there, emotions uh, always remain somewhat distant. Uh, for me, and I, I, emotions have always been close. And working in the field that I do and doing a lot of trauma work, um, it has, uh, as well as just some different things that have happened to me in my life, uh, it, it makes the, uh, the certain swings, I guess you could call it, uh, that have to do with... Uh, um, the uh, unpleasant things or the struggles or the traumas or the things that happen in life, um, they get magnified. Um, you know, I think uh, one of the things that I've always, ways that I've referred to myself is uh, as a counselor, as a therapist, is I'm a wounded healer. Uh, I've gone through a variety of different wounds in my life, and I work to heal those wounds, and then uh, help teach others how to heal. Uh, so, um, but sometimes it hits me pretty hard, and yesterday was kind of one of those days. Uh, so, um, but we have, a, we have a schedule. We have a, um, a commitment to have coffee together in the morning and to uh, work on the different things and, um, and put those things into practice. So that's that's all I'll do as far as an introduction. So if I'm not seeming my extremely bubbly uh, uh, self, that would be it. <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's get into our Bible study for today. Take off my glasses so I can see up close. This uh, we're using again, uh, Jesus Calling, Enjoying Peace in His Presence by Sarah Young. And she, is, we are on January 28th, if you're following along at home. 
And again, this is spoken in the first person of Jesus. I am with you always. I spoke these words to my disciples after my resurrection. I continue to proclaim this promise to all who will listen. People respond to my continual presence in various ways. Most Christians accept this teaching as truth, but ignore it in their daily living. Some ill-taught or wounded believers fear, or may even resent, my awareness of all they do, say, and think. A few people center their lives around this glorious promise and find themselves blessed beyond all expectations. When my presence is the focal point of your consciousness, all the pieces of your life fall into place. As you gaze at me through the eyes of your heart, you can see the world around you from my perspective. The fact that I am with you makes every moment of your life meaningful. I am with you always. You know, I, I think uh, to the disciples, and I think about how amazing that, <clears throat> that would be to be able to walk with Jesus, talk with Jesus, hang out. I'm sure he had a sense of humor, and I'm sure he had some of the best jokes to tell. It would have been an amazing time. But I think one of the things that is key that we don't think about, you know, for Christians, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is something that we can take for granted. And at this time, Pentecost had not occurred. There was not the outpouring of the Holy Spirit as there has been since. And the the pouring out of the Holy Spirit appears to have just been reserved for prophets. And in a way, that's probably why they stood out so much. And so, when Jesus died, and uh, after his resurrection, he wasn't with them all the time. He would pop in, literally, and then pop out again, as he did in the upper room. He would appear on the road with someone, and then he would be gone. And when it came time for his ascension into heaven, I imagine that had to be terrifying to the disciples because they were used to him just being there and couldn't understand why he wasn't going to be there. And so he gave the, the words, I am with you always. You know, you may not be able to see me, but in a few days on Pentecost, you know, I'm sending a comforter. I'm sending a counselor. I'm sending the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. 
let me go through this, the other uh, lines here that our author has written. I am with you always. I spoke these words to my disciples after my resurrection. I continue to proclaim this promise to all who will listen. I'm with you always. It's for all of us. And for those of us who listen and hear and, you know, work to understand that, it takes on a pretty deep meaning. She continues, people respond to my continual presence in various ways. Most Christians accept this teaching as truth, but ignore it in their daily living. And that's common. That's common in a lot of things similar to that's common. We know it. We have it as a belief. But belief and practice don't always sync up. And that's what I, I find with this devotional study is it's about the syncing up. We may believe, we may have believed for a long time, but are we synced up into our daily life with it? You know, we have our Bibles, and now with electronics, we have our Bibles in our phones or on our tablets, laptops, online. But, you know, before that, when it was just the paperback version, you know, the book, the Bible, how many were dusty in our house? How many were, oh, it's on a shelf somewhere around here. Yeah, I remember a few things from Sunday school, or I know this whenever I, you know, I attend church, or, or whenever I occasionally attend church. But... When we, when we think about the daily practice, do we actually put it into practice? Do we read it? Should we read it? If we know we should, what gets in our way? What do we allow to get into our way? What do we make an excuse? You know, those are the, the kind of questions. Back to this. Most Christians accept this teaching as truth, but ignore it in their daily living. Some ill-taught or wounded believers fear and may even resent my awareness of all they do, say, and think. Yeah, um, we know our thoughts. Jesus knows our thoughts too. And he wants our thoughts to sync with his. He wants our desires to sync with his. He wants then our actions to sync with his. And that when we, when we allow that to take place in our life, as we've talked about in this devotional series recently, it starts happening. The closer we get to Jesus, the more of an influence he has. As I was talking earlier at the beginning, you know, I've had various things happen in my life at different times, and I'm really thankful that I've been going through this devotional with you because these things came to my mind. 
you know, rather than feeling lost in myself, I found myself talking and reaching out and praying. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. He doesn't always fix the things, but he shoulders that burden with us. We're not in it alone. Few people center their lives around this glorious promise and find themselves, oh, few people, uh, let me say that again, a few people center their lives around this glorious promise and find themselves blessed beyond all expectations. What's that blessing look like? Does that mean they got the best cars, best houses, you know, fantastic jobs? No. You know, as an example that everyone has heard of, Mother Teresa, the short little nun who dedicated her life to the people, and I believe it was Calcutta. She would say she was very, very blessed. But according to our standards here, she lived in absolute poverty. But she worked tirelessly, not only doing the work herself, but also guiding those who were with her. Yet she was blessed. That's one of those things that doesn't make sense. And you can find plenty of preachers, whether it's, you know, from a pulpit in your town or whether it is on a TV that says, you know, you know, how do you know if you're, you know, right with God, he's blessing you. When he blesses you, you got more money and you know what to do with. You've got, you know, nice clothes. You got nice cars. You know, you've got prosperity. <clears throat> um, sometimes God does bless us that way. We can look as the at the biblical example of Job. But that's not the only way. And I, I really believe that's a minor way. Because you can have all those things and have nothing but anguish and turmoil. When my presence is the focal point of your consciousness, all the pieces of your life fall into place. Why? Because that's how we were made. That's how we were designed. That's how we were created. <clears throat> Where God in a close, intimate relationship with him, was to be the center point. You ever, I don't know if you've ever been to a circus. Um, they used to come through towns pretty regular, and they have died off uh, over the years. And that's, that's kind of sad, because uh, circuses coming to small towns always kind of an incredible and fun thing. But um, the clowns. I always found them fun. And one of the props that clowns would sometimes use is a goofy bicycle where the wheels, the center axle, was not in its proper place. It was offset. And so you had short spokes 
in long spokes and variations in between to keep that center axle on that wheel off center. And you had those lined up on the bicycle, both front wheel and back wheel. And whenever a clown would ride it, it was like a galloping horse. It was like a galloping horse. Now imagine <clears throat> if that was the bicycle you had to ride every day. <laughs> First of all, I'd be seasick from it. Imagine if your car had something like that. <clears throat> I mean, when you get your car tires changed, you know, uh, or worked on, they, uh, they balance them. They put those little weights in the tire to get them balanced because if a tire isn't perfectly balanced, it will shake your car. Literally, it will start shaking it apart. Things will become loose. Things might even fall off because the car is designed to have a balanced wheel with a center axle. That's what, that's, that's the, how we're designed. Our center axle of our lives is supposed to be God. And when it is, our wheel is balanced. Yeah, there may be all kinds of bumps in the road. There may be all kinds of treacherous circumstances. But when you've got a balanced wheel, your ride is the way it's supposed to be. Now imagine taking a clown car or clown car, a clown bicycle that I was describing on an off-road trail. I don't think you could do it because the circumstances of the off-road trail would immediately knock you over because it's not balanced right. So keeping that in mind, let's, let's read this sentence again. When my presence, my presence is the focal point of your consciousness, all the pieces of your life fall into place the way that they're supposed to be. That gives us a better ability to handle what's happening in this fallen world. As you gaze at me, through the eyes of your heart, you can see the world around you from my perspective. You see things more and more through God's perspective. You see people differently. You see circumstances differently. Do you have the knowledge of God? No. God will give out what we need to know, when we need to know it, and in the amounts that we need to know. We can't handle everything. We're not God. As you gaze at me through the eyes of your heart, you, will, you can see the world around you from my perspective. The fact that I am with you makes every moment of your life meaningful. It changes your perspective. It changes your perception. That's what we need. We need that more than smooth sailing. Again, smooth sailing, it's very easy to put ourselves 
as the center axle and not God. The fact that I am with you makes every moment of your life meaningful. Let's take a look at the uh, uh, two scriptures that are referenced here. And let's see. The first is Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. But I'm going to read from 16 through the end of 20. And I'll let you know when 20 kicks in. But it puts it into context. It says, uh, and this is titled, it's, it's described as being the Great Commission. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to a mountain, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Now here's verse 20. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Yeah, he was giving them the commission. And all, you know, explaining all authority on heaven and earth has been given to him. So, because of that, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, not just the Jewish nation, all nations, all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But then we jump to the end, and he gives also this promise, I am with you always to the end of the age. All right, the next is Psalm 139, and it's verses 1 through 4. I'm going to continue on through 6. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit up, or you know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. So this ties in with the idea that Jesus knows, God knows our thoughts, our actions. He knows what we're going to say before the words are on our tongue. He knows us altogether. That can be frightening, especially when we are, when we know in our heart We're not where we're supposed to be. He knows that. But he doesn't want that to be a bad thing. He wants us to see that as a good thing. 
I like this. The reason I went on through verse six is because I like that verse six. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. The, the you know, the, the, it says here, uh, it's a psalm of David. So this is David writing this. And he was a person that God described as a man after his own heart. Was he perfect? No. He was a warrior. He uh, planned. He committed adultery. He planned the murder of the husband of the woman that he had gotten pregnant to hide and cover up. Yeah. He wasn't perfect. He screwed up big time. As a result, it messed up his family. Did it was it his intention to mess up his family? No. Yet God describes us as a man after his heart because he kept coming back. He kept after that. He kept pursuing God's presence. And that's what's neat about the Psalms when you find the ones that David wrote is he um, he pours out his heart. He pours out his heart. And this verse 6, you know, when, it, when this awareness was brought to his attention, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. It's, it's beyond him. It's too wonderful. Yet he accepts it. Yet he appreciates it. But he can't understand it. It's too much. How, how the, the God who created the universe is that personally interested and involved with him. God isn't just some myth. God isn't just something that weak-minded people have to believe in. God isn't somebody who wound up the alarm clock of the universe and is now just sitting back watching it and eating popcorn. No. He is personally, intimately involved and connected with us, whether we realize it or not, whether we want it or not. He's our Heavenly Father. He may not always like what we're doing. But he has desires, he has plans, he has hopes and dreams for each of us. And it starts with striving to be in his presence. All right, uh, need to wrap up for today. We are out of time, so I hope this has been helpful for you. It's been helpful for me. Keep me in your prayers. Keep our country in your prayers. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.